There's an ongoing and growing battle for truth in our world. And it's not a new battle, but it seems to be getting far worse, far quicker. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church message of the week. Love Key Church is a local expression of a part of the body of Christ with a focus on creating a place, opportunity and atmosphere through worship music and the word where people can encounter God, align with his purposes, reign in life and help others to do the same. My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife Valetta and our four children, we recently launched Love Key Church right here in Somerset West. Enjoy the message. Please remember to like, follow and subscribe and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging and inspiring to you. Thank you so much. God bless you as you listen to this word. Wow. As I, as I was reading the scriptures about this day when Jesus went to the cross, I was at first so overwhelmed because on the way to his death, so much happened. There's so many moments along the way that we can highlight and and write a sermon about, and I, and I, and I was like, Lord, what, what do we need to focus on as, as a love key family? What do you want us to, to zone into? And something about Jesus's conversation with Pontius Pilate just stood out where Pontius Pilate answers Jesus at the end of a conversation and he says, what is truth? And that got me thinking, and long story short, I want to talk to us today about two conversations Jesus had and a revelation that someone else had about him. I want us to talk about his conversation with Nicodemus, his conversation with Pontius Pilate, and the Roman soldier that was there at the very end. Jesus is the truth. He appears and talks with a Jewish scholar about rebirth, about heavenly things, but the scholar doesn't even believe the earthly things that Jesus tried to tell him. Pilate asks many questions and Jesus tells him that he's the king of the Jews, that he bears witness to the truth and Pilate then asks, what is truth? The Roman soldier at the cross who witnessed the three hours of darkness, the earthquake, the opening of graves and the rising of the dead and Jesus' last breath realized he truly was the son of God. At the end of these conversations is the quest for truth. These men were trying to find the truth. Up until the moment of Jesus' death, the Roman soldier believed a truth that turned out to be a lie. A scholar, who was also a political leader of the Jewish people, knew that there was something special about this Jesus, and he wanted to know. 
but struggled with the answers that Jesus gave. We know Pilate was more influenced by the mob mentality and the reaction of the crowd than he was by his own logic and sense of fairness because he wanted to set Jesus free. And we know the soldier mocked Jesus and helped kill him right until that moment he had an epiphany. There's an ongoing and growing battle for truth in our world. And it's not a new battle, but it seems to be getting far worse, far quicker. It seems that everything biblical, everything scriptural, is being challenged on the international media stage and somehow it's become unpopular to believe in and stand for the truth of God's word. According to 1 Peter 2, this is to be expected. As he refers to Jesus being the stone the builders rejected, but he became the chief cornerstone. But he also refers to him from an Old Testament chapter uh, verse that he is the rock of offense and a stumbling stone to the ones who are disobedient. Isn't that why we need a savior in the first place? Adam and Eve had full intimate access to God, to the source of truth. And still, out of pride, they were disobedient because they took offense at the idea that God was withholding something from them. Their cornerstone became a rock of offense and a stumbling stone. And forever, things were changed until the second Adam. Today, we see it all the time. The truth of Jesus, His way, His commandments are offensive to the world. And that's to be expected. You may have been in conversations where you talk to people and they, they keep referring to, well, my truth, you know, is this and stuff like that. Or they would say, you know, I think the universe is trying to tell me something. <laughs> then, you, then you start realizing where they're at. I don't know about you, but I am glad that I know the one who created the universe and the one who is the truth. <laughs> but as Christians, we should be vigilant not to let the world's way of thinking infiltrate or cloud our renewed thinking. Because I've heard, you've probably heard stories, maybe you've gone through it yourself. You get saved, your mind gets renewed, you're, you're on this exciting new um, streak of being a Christian. You just want to get everybody saved. And then after a while, it's almost like, you know, these new Christian tires are becoming flat and you start to compromise again. You start falling back into old habits and suddenly you start thinking, well, maybe the world is right about these things. And before you know it, you've compromised yourself right back to where you were. I've been through that a few times in my life. That's why we need to stay close to the source of truth. He's Jesus. His name is Jesus. And we need to remain obedient. I've talked to many people that tell me they love Jesus, but their life doesn't show it. So what they think is love is not really love because love serves, love sacrifices, love lays down. Love doesn't say 
the word I love you, but shows the opposite. As we remember today, Jesus' ultimate sacrifice he made for us on the cross. I believe God wants us to pause and take a moment to reflect on what is true. In fact, we actually need to focus on who is truth. I think one of the best things we can do today is listen to Jesus speak. What do you say? Would you like to listen to Jesus speak? <laughs> okay. I, I primed that because we're going to read a really long piece of scripture right now. <laughs> if you brought your Bible like a good Christian, please open it. Or you can follow along on your Bible app. Uh, I didn't say this in the beginning, but our event today is on the Version Bible app under Love Key. Um, you can check it out there and follow along. Okay, we're going to start in John 3 from verse 1 to 21. This is long, but please listen with your spirit, man. This is so important to hear what's happening here. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. That is a huge title. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, he recognizes Jesus as a teacher. We know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Interesting way to answer him. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The first time he said you cannot see the kingdom. The second time he says you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Who of you are born again? You're like the wind. Congratulations. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? What is he saying? It's hard for me to believe that this is true. That's what he's saying. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and we testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. Do you see in the New King James, the we and the our is a capital letter. This is Jesus speaking on behalf of the Trinity. We speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? You need to upgrade. <laughs> no one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then the very famous verse spoken by Jesus himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. What is that? Shame, guilt, pride. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. You're powerful. For those who may not know the reference to Moses having a snake on a holding a snake up in the desert, that was a moment in the history of the Israelites in the desert where they were disobedient and murmuring and God sent serpents to bite them and many of them died. And then they cried out to God like they did many times and said, yeah, we're sorry, save us. And then God told Moses to make a snake, put it on a stick and whoever looks at the snake up would be healed and that was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. John 18, 33 to 38. This is the conversation Jesus has with Pilate. Once again, please focus and listen well. Now, the first conversation was Jesus with a Jewish leader who knows the scriptures, who knows the Messiah is coming. Now, he is speaking to someone who couldn't care less about the scriptures He's actually annoyed with the Jewish people, but he's running their lives. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Because this is what they are using to um, convict him. They said this is the charge against him. He claims to be the king of the Jews. And according to their law, it is, it's blasphemous and you're supposed to get the death penalty. So Jesus answered him, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate, Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, um, sorry, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, this is now Jesus speaking, for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. 
Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. The third thing is the revelation of the soldier. Let's read that together in Matthew 27 from verse 50 to 54. Now Jesus is on the cross. It's at the end of this whole time on the cross and the whole, all the pain, all the suffering. It says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. From the other gospels, we know that this moment was where he said, it is done, it is finished. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. There's a zombie movie for you. That's real. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Unbelievers, non-Jews, all right, I want to go back to each of these conversations and that moment and just see what God wants to show us from this. Nicodemus was searching for the truth about the Messiah, searching for the truth. He's a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, part of the Sanhedrin. He sneaks away at night to speak to this man named Jesus. Why did he sneak out? Because Jesus was very unpopular with the leaders of the Jewish people. But Nicodemus was, must have been thinking, maybe he is the long-awaited Messiah. Something in Nicodemus was tugging at his spirit, leading him to question what all the Jewish leaders were saying. Truth was tugging at his heart, leading him, wanting to show him. Now in this conversation, Jesus tells him, of the kingdom of God, that it can be seen and it can be entered. But only if you are born again. Nicodemus struggles with this concept. How can these things be, is what he says. How can this be true? I'm looking for the truth. I'm presented by the truth. And I still struggle to believe the truth. Has that ever happened to you before? Jesus seemingly slightly frustrated with someone who has studied the scriptures his whole life, but doesn't see the Messiah right in front of him. He says to him, if you don't understand the earthly things we, the Trinity, have told you, how will you understand heavenly things? So he's actually calling him up out of his way of thinking. One of the most quoted verses in the Bible comes from this conversation and is said by Jesus himself. God so loved the world that he gave. Love gave. Love gave. Through this conversation, the whole conversation, <clears throat> through this conversation, the whole world is able to know what the truth is. Jesus is the savior of the world. 
And there is a choice to be made between light and darkness, between truth and lies. It's very clear from this conversation, there's a choice. We don't see in this specific passage what happens to Nicodemus after this conversation. But we do read something very interesting in John 19. We see, well, let me read it to you. John 19, verse 38 to 40. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus, and listen to this, whoa, Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came with Joseph of Arimathea, he brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. That they, then they took the body of Jesus, bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as is the custom of the Jews. Since the Bible says Joseph of Arimathea became a disciple of Jesus and Nicodemus was with him, it seems plausible that Nicodemus' encounter with Jesus did, in fact, change the course of his life. Other sources say they can't verify it, but they believe that Nicodemus, because of his choice, was stripped of his title, but he stuck with Jesus. Pontius Pilate, in his conversation, he is seeking the truth about Jesus' case. He's a truth seeker as well, like Nicodemus. But he doesn't find any fault. He's trying to match the reaction of the crowd with this peaceful, loving man in front of him. He's looking at him, and he's looking at the crowd, and he goes, I don't see it. Like, what? He's a rational man, completely away from the situation. He has no idea why the people are so upset. But what influences him the strongest? But he as well is missing the truth, standing right in front of him. The truth of what life is all about. The answer to all of life's questions. The son of the holy God who lives. Now a Roman worships many gods. They carry around little trinkets that they pray to. This is his background of religion, of faith. But here is the son of the living God in front of him. When Jesus reveals to him in his conversation that he came to bear witness to the truth and that all who hears his voice are of the truth, Pilate doesn't get it. And he just says, qui is veritas? What is truth? Ironically, when he proceeds to punish Jesus, even though he knows the truth about his innocence, he's chasing the truth, but he lets the people's voice sway his own sense of fairness, and he doesn't act according to the truth even of the case. Are you following me? He may have wanted to claim that he lives his life according to facts, but that is not necessarily the same as living your life according to the truth of God. Have you heard people saying, you must be realistic, look at the facts? He was one of those guys. No, 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 let's be realistic. Let's look at the facts. When my wife and I were trusting God to fall pregnant and have our first child, the facts of the medical people told us that we have less than a 5% chance of having children. I said, thank you for the facts, but the truth is that God told me I will have three boys and a girl. And a month later, we were pregnant. That's, that's reason to celebrate, guys. 
Wow, that's sad. Rather not then. If you're going to do something half-hearted, rather not. <laughs> Let's go to the Roman soldier. Let's, I want you to try and imagine being in his shoes or his sandals. You're a missionary of death, right? That's, that's, you're getting paid to kill people. That's your job. Just, I know it's hard because you guys are saints, but you know, just try for a moment. You get paid to kill people. They point and say kill and you go. That's what you do. Your day started out quite normal. Just another cross of another criminal. No big deal. You're used to all this torture and death and screaming and blood. It's just normal. But maybe, just maybe, you see this man in the middle between the two thieves with a sign saying king of the Jews in three different languages and you wonder... What is this about? And something about the way this guy is handling the whole situation is different. Now at this point, I need to tell you something that I learned when I was physically in Israel speaking to Messianic Jews and people on the ground there. People were not crucified on crosses that were very high up. Most of the movies you've seen where the guys being crucified is higher than your head up where their feet only start here, it's not historically correct according to Messianic Jews and people who live there. They were actually crucified very low on the ground. Their feet was just above the ground, just enough so they could still hang. Do you know why? So that people can come by, look them in the eye and ridicule them. That was the whole point. You wanted to be ridiculed. Why would you lift someone up higher than the rest when you're trying to kill them and crucify them? And judgment. The whole point was to be able to look them in the face, spit them in the, in the eye, and, and ridicule them. So this Roman soldier, or the, this verse speaks about soldiers, other gospel speaks about one soldier, was very close to Jesus. So we can be sure that he heard Jesus saying the things he said. So he must have heard him say, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Do you think he's ever heard that from someone on a cross before? And when he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe something turned in his heart. Just imagine how that moment must have been for Jesus. (laughs) You come from heaven... You get born into this world as a poor person. You see the brokenness of this world. You see how far people are from what they're supposed to be. You cry to God to not let this happen. Blood comes from your skin. So stressed are you about what, is you, what you're about to face. And it wasn't about being beaten And being put on a cross, it was because he knew for a moment, God's going to turn his back on me. That's why. He could take the beatings. He could take the cross. But that moment where he cried, Eli, Eli, why have you forsaken me? Was the worst 
And it should be for us as well. To never want to be away from Him. To never have to make Him look away from us. The soldier also hears him say, Tetelestai, it is done. It is done. He must have thought, what is done? And then he saw how he breathes his last and releases his spirit. For the last three hours up until that point, it was complete darkness in the middle of the day. This would be amazing on its own to someone who's been doing this every day. And as soon as Jesus has breathed his last, there's an earthquake. The rocks split open. He couldn't have noticed or witnessed this personally, but the curtain in the temple, this, the thing that, that divides the outer courts to the holiest of holies, that thing ripped through the middle. That thing was thick. It wasn't just a little tafel duk. It was really, you can't tear it with your bare hands. It tore from the top to the bottom. And it signified that we can now access the holy God through His holy Son. The soldier is completely overwhelmed by what he sees. And he exclaims, this was truly the Son of God. It didn't say it on the sign. It said, King of the Jews. How did this man know? I believe he knew the same way that Peter knew Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, man did not reveal this to you. The Spirit of God revealed this to you. Come on. That's powerful. I want us to take a moment to reflect and respond to these conversations and the soldier's revelation. Maybe you see yourself in some area of your life at least in one of these characters. Maybe you're like a little bit like Nicodemus. You know the scriptures, but you have a religious approach to it, a legalistic approach to it. And you've read it and read it and read it and made up your own doctrines and rules about how things should be. And now your mind is made up about certain things. But something in your spirit is telling you there's more. There's truth. There's life. And you're being called out by God today to be open to what He is really doing. So that you can see the kingdom of God and truly enter the kingdom of God, the fullness of it. Maybe some of you here or some of you online don't know God or believe in Him. But you are on a mission for the truth. Many atheists found Jesus trying to disprove Him, trying to find the truth. but you're blind to the truth that's right in front of you. Today you have an opportunity to meet this Jesus, the King of the Jews, the Son of God. But it may take a moment of you laying down preconceived ideas and cultural hang-ups that you may have. 
I want to invite you to let Jesus, the truth, just flood your life. Maybe in a way you're like the soldier, knowingly busy with sinful things, evil things, feeling totally justified to live the way you want to live. But maybe, just maybe today, you have a spiritual, supernatural encounter that shakes you to the core, that's pulling you out of your comfort zone to Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, His love and sacrifice breaks through the walls and brings a much-needed revelation. Let's take a moment and reflect and respond over these conversations and over what God is telling us. If there's any area of your life you need to repent from, anything that you realize, oh my word, I'm thinking this is true, but Jesus is showing me, no, I am the truth. Let's bring this to Jesus. Let's repent. Let's lay down our wrong thinking. Let's lay down our own man-made rules that we have for ourselves and for other people. And let's let the truth of Jesus really dictate how we live our lives. We have an opportunity to truly see and enter the kingdom of God. That is why Jesus came and died. So that we may know the truth and the truth is a person. (laughs) He is the truth, the way and the life to the Father, our Creator. I want us to just take a moment, just close your eyes and just focus on Jesus and reflect over these scriptures. I'm going to give us a few moments and then we're going to have communion together to commemorate what Jesus has done and what happens here today. Let's just take that moment quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. supper Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said to them take this bread it is my body that will be broken for you take this wine it is my blood as you take it you will have a part of me let's do that together as as families today Holy Jesus, we honor you today. We thank you today. Thank you for your body that was broken, for your blood that was shed to pay the price that we were supposed to pay. Thank you for being our ransom. Thank you for reconciling us to the Father so that through you, the truth, the life, the way, we have access to the Father. 
We love you. We honor you. We worship you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to go say goodbye to you guys online. Have a great day. God bless you. And enjoy the rest of your Friday. We'll see you on Sunday morning at 10 again. Thank you for joining us. And everyone that's here today, you're also obviously welcome to join us on Sunday. And all the Sundays after that, unless we tell you something else. I just want to sing this chorus one more time. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. The Savior has come in the morning light. The cross has the final word. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for coming. More than welcome to hang around for a bit of fellowship afterwards. There's coffee, there's tea, all that kind of stuff. Thank you so much. Amen. so much for listening to the love key church message of the week we trust that you found that encouraging inspiring hopefully challenging in a good way and that you will come back next week to listen again please remember to like follow and subscribe and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting encouraging and inspiring to you may god bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and your family bye-bye